Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Dr. Bakari. He's the CEO of Medicus Pharma. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you for having me on your program. So, Doc, for those that aren't familiar with Medicus Pharma, can you just give us a brief overview of the company? Of course. It's a pleasure to be on your program, Jeff. Medicus Pharma is a Philadelphia-based company. We uh, trade on Toronto Stock Exchange and act as a holding company to invest in and accelerate in novel life sciences and biotechnology companies which are in the clinic and uh, need uh, infusion of capital and management oversight to get them through uh, FDA-approved clinical trials. Uh, so that is what Medicus Pharma does, and uh, we commenced trading sometime in the fall of last year uh, on Toronto Stock Exchange Venture Fund. Now, now who brought you public? It was an RTO that uh, I, through my family office, RBX Capital, so I was the sponsor and also the lead investor. I identified the company called SkinJet, which is our uh, lead portfolio company, and through uh, a business uh, amalgamation and in concurrent equity financing exercise, uh, had it uh, listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange as an RTO. Uh, so I'm an investor operator and a life sciences uh, entrepreneur and been in this business for uh, uh, nearly 30 years. So I've done this before, and we're very excited to assemble again under uh, Medicus Pharma, uh, and uh, uh, particularly excited about our lead asset, uh, SkinJet, which is um, a very uh, exciting technology, and I'd love to talk more about that. Okay. So everything is, is preclinical at this point, correct? No, it is a clinical stage, so the company has completed. So we focus on clinical stage companies. Okay. Uh, so these are pre-revenue, but companies that uh, have, uh, uh, have completed phase one safety and tolerability study are phase two, uh, which is usually the proof of concept trial of efficacy, either are phase two ready or are in phase two, but uh, require additional infusion of capital uh, or uh, better uh, R&D uh, uh, leadership. So that's when we find our way to uh, establish ourselves and advance the ball forward. Okay. Yeah. And then regulatory pathway is PMA or, or what? It's the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. So those are, uh, is the uh, oversight agency and the these uh, Clinical trials are designed to get an approval of the FDA and uh, uh, conducted uh, through uh, an IND application. Okay. And uh, SkinJet is, is, is in Phase 2 or about to start Phase 2? So SkinJet is a, uh, a Pennsylvania-based or a Pittsburgh-based company that was formed in 2016 and uh, carries exclusive development and commercialization licenses from Carnegie Mellon and University of Pittsburgh of uh, one of their patented technologies, 
which is a cellulose-based microarray needles to deliver a known cancer chemotherapeutic at the site of the lesion. So it is, uh, uh, its focus is to treat various forms of non-melanoma uh, skin cancers, particularly basal cell carcinoma, which is the most common can skin cancer and the most common cancer on the planet. So that is what SkinJet uh, uh, focuses. And, and where is it in the process towards approval? Which uh, clinical so SkinJet uh, completed a phase one safety and tolerability study of the use of microarray needles and uh, or use of microarray needles to uh, deploy uh, a known uh, cancer drug, doxyrubicin, at the site of the lesion or basal cell carcinoma. And they completed a phase one study in 2021. And uh, we, earlier this month, announced that we have submitted our final, our clinical protocol, our clinical design to initiate a phase two efficacy study. And we are eagerly awaiting for final comments from the FDA, which should come on or before the beginning of February. And we plan to initiate a phase two trial. So it is now in phase two, after completing phase one, and we are excited to march forward. The market that addresses, how large of a problem is that? So basal cell carcinoma is the most common cancer on the planet. There are five million new uh, cases uh, 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 add-on, and the only way to treat uh, basal cell carcinoma of the skin is through surgical excision or a procedure called Mohs surgery. It's a painful but an effective treatment uh, and is quite expensive. Uh, the market size of Mohs surgery is about $20 billion in the United States. And I think worldwide, uh, maybe in excess of $30 billion. There is the only treatment from the days of Adams and Eve to treat basal cell carcinoma is to do this surgical excision, and there is no other non-invasive effective treatment available. We believe that we have a novel and a disruptive uh, medical treatment regimen where we can treat uh, skin cancer non-invasively by delivering a known chemotherapeutic agent called doxyrubicin at the site of the lesion and cure the cancer without uh, surgical intervention. So, so it addresses a very large market size, not just in the United States, but around the world. So it's non-surgical, but how is it applied? So there are these cellulose-based microarray needles. It's about 15 millimeter by 15 millimeter patch, which are loaded with doxyrubicin and applied on the site of the lesion in uh, three settings over a span of two weeks. And the hope is that at the end of this uh, three treatment uh, sittings. Each sitting is 30 minutes uh, every time you apply the patch in, a, in an office setting. It would cure the cancer, so you will have normal skin 
with no nodules or any of those uh, patches on there, so it should cure it. That's the objective. Now, is it too early to ask how large a trial you're, you'll be going for and what the endpoints are? Yeah, so we have uh, announced that uh, we have a, uh, a double-blinded uh, randomized study uh, of up to 60 patients. There are three arms to the trial, a, a placebo arm, a 100 microgram uh, dose of low dose of doxorubicin and 200 micrograms of a high dose of doxorubicin. Doxorubicin is on the shelf, is a known cancer drug. It is, uh, it's been there available for 50 plus years uh, and it is a very effective cancer drug but it has a very uh, deleterious side effect that when if the doxorubicin enters in the bloodstream it causes toxicity especially toxicity of the heart so it is cardiotoxic so the inventor and the designer at uh, University of Pittsburgh Dr. Lou Follow came up with this very elegant way of delivering doxorubicin through these microarray needles at the site of the the cancer uh, so the doxorubicin does not enter the bloodstream but is able to treat the cancer cells uh, by uh, when it is dissolved in the interstitial space. So our clinical trial is meant to uh, demonstrate that efficacy, which is over uh, 60 patients, and the two doses that we have picked, the 100 microgram and the 200 microgram was drawn from our phase one uh, safety study, which was a dose escalating trial from 25 microgram to 200 microgram and showed that it was safe uh, to use with no adverse local or systemic side effects. So uh, that is how the trial is designed. Uh, and we are waiting for the final comments to come back uh, from the FDA before we can randomize our first patient. Do you have to pay uh, a licensing or royalty on this, or do you own it outright? No, we have, the, we have a uh, traditional, uh, very typical uh, licensing agreement, an exclusive licensing agreement to develop and commercialize uh, worldwide. There are uh, 3% royalties uh, that go back to the university, uh, but those uh, trig are triggered at the time of commercialization. So... Uh, we are some time away down the pike before we begin to pay uh, royalties back to the university, but that would be a good problem to have if we have a commercial approval uh, to uh, start to uh, use this drug to help uh, alleviate pain and suffering so, and is generating revenues. So uh, we'll certainly welcome that problem. Uh, and consider that to be a good milestone for the company to achieve. Very good. And is it IP protected? Yes, the IP. There is the uh, the IP is uh, is owned by the Carnegie Mellon and University of Pittsburgh, and it is uh, protected till 2034. Now we at Medicus. Uh, at, at the holding company, uh, consider ourselves to be an optimizer of assets like Skinjet through a, getting them through a phase two trial and positioning them for collaboration or acquisition by uh, 
uh, a big pharma uh, partner, we don't see ourselves to be the company that would actually would be commercializing this or putting up a sales force to sell this uh, uh, product uh, uh, to the end users, which are dermatologists and uh, perhaps at some point primary care physicians. Okay. So, so the partnering strategy is after phase two is completed. Is that correct? <laughs> the partnering strategy is uh, uh, is after uh, phase two uh, results uh, uh, become available. However, in the case of uh, SkinJet, uh, there are some uh, compelling reasons uh, uh, to, that that makes this asset very ripe for uh, partnering conversations and deliberations uh, as we speak uh, during this time period uh, for the following two very important reasons. Number one, the phase one study, which was a safety and tolerability study, uh, was also conducted on patients which actually had basal cell carcinoma. Usually phase one studies are conducted on healthy volunteers. But since the company was dealing with the doxyrubicin, the FDA uh, required that the participants must have uh, basal cell carcinoma. So when this patch was applied uh, on our, uh, 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 our patients or our, uh, our participants, uh, the six of those patients not only showed uh, complete safety and tolerability, but also showed complete clinical response where the cancer was cured with no relapse or recurrence. So we have a sneak preview already with data in hand that what we believe the phase two trial will uh, hopefully look like. It should certainly replicate uh, to what uh, we have already seen in those six patients. In addition, so that's a very promising uh, a data point where uh, a proof of concept has already perhaps been established uh, from, as a business case, certainly needs to go through a, an FDA-approved trial for a regulatory uh, satisfaction. The second important point is since the known uh, treatment uh, uh, available to treat or the, the standard of care is a surgical option, and there is no effective non-surgical treatment program available, uh, we have high confidence that we will get alignment with the FDA as we advance in our uh, phase two trial and look at an interim uh, data around 90-day post-randomization of first patient that we could get uh, a nod from the FDA for an accelerated approval in waiving a phase three trial. So the phase two trial, which is currently is of 60 patients, uh, very likely will become a pivotal trial, which could go up to 200 or 300 patients, but we're not exactly sure, but can't go beyond those number of patients. And uh, uh, very likely would get a waiver from phase three, because phase three is, is meant to compare an existing approved uh, a treatment plan in place compared to a new uh, one uh, that a company is proposing. Since there is no non 
surgical treatment or an effective non-surgical treatment available, we feel that this could come become a target of accelerated approval, which also fast-tracks our interest to find uh, a big pharma collaborator or acquirer uh, uh, at this stage, which otherwise would be a little early uh, in other assets. Now, do you have other drugs in the pipeline that aren't far behind? So this is, SkinJet is our first acquisition. We uh, are just scoping and scouting for other novel assets uh, that uh, we would like to uh, uh, bring under our umbrella. Uh, we hope to at least complete one, certainly not more than two transactions uh, in 2024 uh, to uh, expand our drug pipeline. But the licensing rights that we have from uh, in SkinJet by itself uh, has multiple indications that we also plan to expand. We are in phase two trial for the basal cell carcinoma that we have discussed, but there is squamous cell carcinoma, which is another indication uh, which we are in the process of filing an IND. There is also cutaneous T-cell uh, lymphoma, and there is another precancerous lesion called actinic keratosis, which is a comparable and a very big market, comparable to basal cell carcinoma, runs into uh, millions of patients uh, that get added to the mix every year. So we are expanding our drug pipeline by adding additional indications uh, uh, within the uh, SkinJet portfolio and also looking for additional acquisition. Uh, so we have our work uh, cut out for ourselves uh, uh, for the year 2024 and beyond. So what will future acquisitions look like? Are, are they going to be addressing the same doctors? Are they going to be drug delivery? Or what are you looking for in acquisitions? We are agnostic um, to a particular set of uh, industry. So SkinJet happens to be in dermatology, oncology space. So uh, clearly we, and but we found this asset to be very novel and disruptive. So we got uh, attracted to this. Uh, more than 50% of drug development is, uh, is, in, is in oncology, so mm, that is where most of the effort is. But nonetheless, uh, we are uh, uh, industry or a uh, therapeutic area agnostic. As far as it is a clinical stage asset, it is relatively de-risked, and uh, uh, the the team or the uh, that is that we collaborate that we form uh, a relationship with is uh, has intellectual and financial alignment with us. Uh, we would certainly uh, uh, look into anything that is uh, compelling and addresses a large unmet need uh, like uh, 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 SkinJet. So. Uh, we are quite broad-based uh, as we pick, as we cherry-pick through what is available. And do you do your acquisitions with stock or cash? Uh, it's a combination of stock and and and, and cash. Uh, we our acquisition model is that we must have uh, at least control, 
and the, uh, we seek that control through issuing our stock, and then we infuse uh, fresh capital into the uh, into the company to advance the clinical development program. So we are not in business to write a check to vacate the uh, the existing uh, owners. We want them to uh, collaborate with us uh, and stay with us, and we should use the capital infusion to advance the, uh, the clinical development program in the same manner that we are doing at SkinJet. Okay. So, so as we watch the company over the la- next 12 months, say, what are some of the events or milestones that we should look for? Well, we should certainly have our phase two trial uh, of SkinJet uh, should be completed uh, within by next in this next 12 months. We hope to randomize our first patient before the end of Q1. Uh, after the first patient is randomized, uh, the clinical protocol uh, calls for looking at an interim uh, uh, data on day, uh, 90 days uh, from the trial. So hopefully, if it is, uh, if it is trending positive, uh, we could expand the trial. So, uh, and uh, hopefully, we would uh, have some, uh, a collaborating partner in place in these next 12 months. In addition, we would have, just for SkinJet, uh, these additional indications uh, that would have an IND in place and clinical development program would be uh, uh, surrounding those indications uh, should have progressed well. Uh, We uh, hopefully would have at least one uh, more uh, acquisition, uh, maybe two, but certainly we are focused on doing one meaningful acquisition. And uh, it certainly uh, gets expedited or gets fast track if an acquisition is uh, uh, is in the is in the making. Uh, but we want to build partnerships. Uh, I have done this before uh, through a registered offering. I had raised uh, close to 100 million dollars. And in in biotech holding companies that have no uh, top line revenues uh, to project. Uh, uh, a decent and reasonable cash on balance sheet at all times is a very important uh, uh, factor uh, to advance uh, uh, acquisitions, to advance clinical development programs, and also to have equitable conversations with potential collaborators or acquirers of our uh, assets which are ready uh, to advance forward. So cash on hand, is a uh, is a, is a very important factor. So uh, we are in the market to uh, continue to raise five to ten million dollars uh, every time uh, we are able to, uh, hopefully uh, on a quarterly basis. Uh, but we want to do this in a in a meaningful way and. Uh, uh, not panic or be desperate. Uh, uh, so we never want to get desperate uh, towards fundraising. That's usually when you make mistakes. So what do you wish I asked that I didn't ask you, and what do you want to leave us with? Uh, no, it's, I think we have uh, done a pretty nice job, uh, Jeff, covering uh, these things. We just want uh, uh, people to follow uh, our progress and uh, uh, support us uh, 
uh, through our uh, efforts and uh, hopefully we have uh, uh, more volume uh, and more eyeballs and more volume on this, on our stock and some institutional participation so uh, we are at a we have taken a first step in a thousand mile journey so we have taken some important steps and i think we have in three months have advanced forward and have informed the market of all the things that we had projected in our prospectus. I think they are, they are, we are on track, if not ahead, to what we had presented in the prospectus that we had submitted at the time of closing the transaction. Very good. Well, thanks, Doctor, for sharing the Medicus Pharma story. Thank you, Jeff, for having me on your program.